God, we come to you as we continue our time to examine your word this morning. May we do so with the same sense of awareness, the same attitude of worship. May we apply that to your teaching of your word as we do to the worship that we have, where we sing, where we make melodies and sounds before you, God. May those uh, just resemble our tenacity, God, to examine your word this morning. God, may we not come to it this morning with any other hope but for it to transfer up, transform us, to change us, to redirect our lives that it is called to do. May we receive that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Wow. You know, sometimes you just want to come up on stage and listen to people sing, and that was one of them. You guys, what an awesome, awesome time of worship. Thank you guys for just jumping in with us this morning. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were uneasy, where you needed somebody to introduce themselves. Maybe you felt you were in danger, or maybe you've been somewhere new and you didn't know anybody, and somebody finally introduces themselves, and it kind of brings things down to a level. Uh, Back in January of this year, January, back in January, it is January, back on January 1st, I told you guys last week, um, uh, skip church on January 1st to have some time with my sons and my brother and his two sons, and we traveled to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to go see a Pittsburgh Steeler game. Now, this is not a, ooh, ooh you, you, you know, this is not about the NFL, all right? Uh, just happened to be where we were, and so we traveled on a Saturday to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and so we were excited. I've been a, a Pittsburgh Steeler fan since childhood, so I was ready to go. This was exciting for us, and we go to the hotel. We spend the night. Sunday morning, we wake up. We go downstairs, um, on the elevator, coming back upstairs, and my nephew, who's a junior in college, he looks at me with this ghostly, he, he's coming on the elevator as I'm coming off, and he says, have you seen my dad? And I said, no, he said, I said, that's my brother. And he said, he lost the key to the rental car. We are seven hours from North Carolina from the rental agency. We are uh, not too close to the airport, and, and we are about... 30 minutes outside of where the stadium is for the football game later in the day. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. No problem. I was chill about it. Hey, we'll find it. We searched their room. We took mattresses off. We tore dressers apart. We put it all back together. I put it all back together. We looked inside, upside, outside, however Dr. Seuss might say it. We looked everywhere for this key. We looked in the parking lot. We had OnStar unlock the car so we could look in the car. We searched everywhere for this key. 11.15, it is now 11.15, the game starts at 1 o'clock, it's 30 minutes from the stadium, we're all sitting in the lobby, and I'll never forget this, we're all sitting in the lobby, and we look like four or like six guys sitting there whose dream had been burst, right, and we're all decked out in our attire, we're all just kind of sitting there, we can't get Uber to come get us for some reason, the taxis don't want to come get us, and we're just stuck, and so finally my brother says, I'm going to go ask somebody to give us a ride. So he goes in the parking lot of the hotel to anybody who has on Pittsburgh Steeler and just starts asking him for a ride. And so this lady, her name was Joyce. She said, yeah, y'all, some of y'all can ride with us. Now, I, I later figured out he didn't volunteer himself to ride with them. He volunteered me and my sons and one of his sons to go ride with them. And so we get in a vehicle with three people that I've never met in all my life. And the only credential that they had was they had on something that said Pittsburgh Steeler. (laughs) This is not how you surrender your life to someone, right? And so we get in the car, and we were in the car right about the same time that they're 
senior in high school, Jacob, um, goes to get in the car, and he is totally unaware of what's going on right now. He gets in his own vehicle, and there's four people that he doesn't know. Hey, how are you? So we started riding to the game, and I'm a little uneasy. I mean, obviously. I mean, I don't feel awkward very often, but I felt pretty awkward. And so my sons were back here, and I'm looking for, you know, which doors can we jump out if they don't take us to the game? What do we do? And, you know, you're running through things in your mind. Are these, you know, are they nice people? And so we're, we're driving, and he takes this different way to the game. And so we're talking. I'm thinking, oh, man, where are we going? And I said, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm trying to break the ice. And, and she said, I'm a school teacher, Joy said. And she was joyous. She was joy, all right? And then Brian says, well, I manage, I'm, we're from Morgantown, West Virginia, and I manage the cafeterias for the elementary schools. And, and I am a 10-year church planter in Morgantown, Morgantown, West Virginia. I'm a pastor. I have never been so happy to meet another pastor <laughs> in my entire life. So now you have me, my brother, and this pastor. We're all skipping church, all right? Three pastors skipping church in one story, all right? And so we, 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 we start talking. And as soon, I kid you not, as soon as he said that, I went, whew. I introduced myself because they were probably feeling the same way. And, and there was a, a, just a general sense I could feel in the car of, okay, we're all going to live. <laughs> we're all going to make it out of this. There are times when somebody identifies themselves and we say, wow, that made me feel better. And then there are other times when somebody identifies themselves in a situation and we say, oh, I didn't know that's who you were. I didn't know that's what, you know, what kind of work you did. Or I, there, there are, there's power in the introduction of a person, of a setting, and of a background. And so we're going to take our entire time of teaching this morning to introduce the Apostle Peter to us as he introduced himself to the readers of Second Peter. Now, this is really important. I know if you were with us in the fall, you go, man, we just, we got, we know who Peter is. We've got this guy. We've talked about him for a while. It's been three months. You've probably forgotten part of it. And so we're going to rewind this morning. We're going to reintroduce because how Peter introduces himself, listen, how he introduces himself to the readers is of utmost importance to what he says later on. So the way he introduces himself gives him credibility to give a warning, to give promise, and to give hope to them as he continues in this short letter that we're going to take about eight weeks to examine in Second Peter. So those of you who were here, uh, I just want you to know there's a little bit of review here, but some of you weren't. So let's examine who Peter was. Peter, our author of Second Peter, First and Second Peter, this man was called by Jesus as one of his disciples. He saw miracles take place, no doubt. He walked on water. It was a short walk, but he took a walk. He was the loud mouth of the disciples. He said things that everybody may have wanted to say, but nobody thinks they should say, and he would say them. And sometimes he would be patted on the back for those, and sometimes he would re be rebuked for those. Peter, the author, he was told by Jesus that he would deny Jesus three times. And Peter says, absolutely not, will not happen. I will never deny you. But Matthew chapter 26 tells us that when that moment came, Jesus for three times declared, I do not know this man. This is Peter, called disciples, seen miracles, denies. Then he's also forgiven. And then following the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, he becomes the voice of the early church. And he's the first person 
after Jesus has ascended to declare, repent and be baptized. And thousands of people begin to respond to this gospel message that's based on faith through Jesus Christ. And he begins to present this message. This is him. But how he introduces himself in 2 Peter is slightly different than 1 Peter. So let's examine what he says here. Simon Peter, verse 1, chapter 1, 2 Peter. Simon Peter, Simeon Peter, depending on your translation, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant. This is Peter. He walked on water. This guy had a resume. I mean, you could leave off, walked, I mean, you could say walked on water and leave off that you sunk. You could just say walked on water. I mean, he had a resume that was impressive. And here he is writing a letter to a group of believers, and they know the stories of Peter. They know of where he's been. They know of the teachings of, and now he's writing to them. He begins not by saying, hey, it's me, Peter. You know my resume. You know what I've seen. You know what I've done. You should listen up to me. He says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This word servant in our English grammar really doesn't do justice to the meaning. And we don't really want to interject the true word that goes here because it causes some confusion and difficulties for us. The real word here is slave. It says Peter, a bondservant, a slave, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a title that was used in the Old Testament. Moses declared and was declared a servant of the Lord. Joshua, the commander and leader, servant, slave, bondservant of the Lord. David, a servant, bondservant of the Lord. Old Testament prophets wanted to be called proclaiming themselves as servants of the Lord. A servant-slave title from Peter was a title, but it's also something that he watched. He watched Jesus live as a servant. He watched Jesus model. It wasn't servant leadership. It was a servant abiding by the wishes of and the obedience to a master. And so he had seen this and he'd witnessed it. And there was questions about what is a servant and and what is a leader. At one point in the gospel story in, in Matthew, there's a conversation where there are a couple of the disciples come to Jesus with their mom. With their mom. And they ask, how do we get to the front of the line and be the greatest of the disciples? With their mom. This is not a mom moment, moms, all right? With their mom. How do we get to become the greatest? And Jesus says, it shall not be so among you, Matthew chapter 20, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many peter was there listening he was there when this message of servanthood was delivered and he said he has to must be your slave now this idea of slave Let's just give meaning to it as it is. In the New Testament, a slave had no identity outside of their master. Who their master was, they were. What they represented, they represented. Where they went, they went. There was no distinction. Nor, this is important, nor did they have any choice but obedience. 
They didn't have the opportunity to wake up in the morning and say, ah, I'm a slave slash servant of my master. I don't, what do I want to do today? No, that's not on their agenda. A servant had no choice of obedience, no choice of what their life choices and direction. And Peter's not begrudging and making this announcement. He's not upset about this fact. He's honored by this. One commentator said that the question that a master, a slave would ask to a master every day in the New Testament would be this. Master, what do you want me to do today? In essence, Peter is saying, Simon Peter, a slave, Lord, what would you have me do today? And 2,000 years later, this question has not and should not be changed for us as believers. But we've made this and we've transitioned to think, Matt kind of hinted at this in the announcement, that obedience and allegiance are our choosing. That we can decide which days we want to be a servant of the Lord and which days we're not. And he says, no, I am Simon Peter and I am a servant. You cannot strip that away from me. You cannot take that away from me. But I'm also an apostle. An apostle called by Christ to preach the gospel and lead the church. So he has this connotation of being a servant to the Lord, a slave to the Lord, full of obedience. And then he brings authority to the writing. This carries a note of authority. He is penning a letter and he is giving the reader the understanding that what he is about to share is the inspired, authoritative word of God. It is not for them to receive and for them to pick and choose which pieces of the letter they decide to be obedient to. He's saying, I am an apostle called by Christ to preach the gospel and to lead the church. And because of that, I'm going to deliver with authority to you this message because I'm also a servant of the Lord, but also unto you. He's a servant. He's an apostle. When they would have opened this letter, they would have been greatly surprised, I think, for Peter to call himself a servant. But what he says next would have gotten their attention if he didn't have it. For what he says next is, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, it's important for us to know the context. I won't give you too much history here, but, but you need to know that the early church had struggles. The early church had divisions. The early church had differences of opinions on some things. And one of the major differences they had in the book of Acts was if you were a, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, and you came to Christ and believed in Christ, did you or would you have to succumb to all the traditions of the Jewish people? And the Jewish people, of course, said yes. And the Gentile people said absolutely not. And so there was this discussion about this. There was this resolution about this. And what Peter says here, he delivers really uh, a message out to them. And he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. The Jewish people claimed that they had a heritage and their standing of God was because they were children of God. And the Gentiles were saying, no, we have come through Christ to cry to God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And here's what he's saying. You're on equal standing. Peter is addressing those 
who would have formerly been despised Gentiles by the religious. But he's also addressing those who would have been considered children of God because of their family heritage. And he's saying, guys, that's not what levels the field here. What brings us to the same place together spiritually? What really brings us equality as equal citizens, not of America, but what brings us equal standing with the Lord? It is to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by what? By the righteousness of our God and our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there are so many divisions, and we've seen them this last weekend in so many ways. And can I just say that a policy's not going to bring equality? That a new president's not going to bring equality? That the, the foundation for equality of mankind is not in an official, and it's not in a policy, it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is here where those who have heritage that they look back and say, I'm ashamed of where I've come from. But have you come to equal standing of faith through your understanding of Jesus Christ? Then the guy who comes over here and says, yes, but I've been in church every day of my life and I tithe not 10%, but 20% of my offerings. You mean to tell me that I'm equal with him? Yes, you are of equal standing through the righteousness of God. You mean he... He's different color than me? You mean they grew up in a different kind of family than me? Equal standing by faith, by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I mean, Peter is saying, this is Peter, big resume, and he's saying, you want to be equal with me? Sure. I'd love to be equal with the Apostle Peter. Man, I'd love to have the same standing with God, the Apostle Peter. Then I'll tell you how. It's through the righteousness and the grace that God has given through Jesus Christ. You say, but I don't have that same calling. I don't have that same voice. Equal standing. Grasp that this morning, what Peter is saying in this introduction? He's saying, listen, I I am a witness. I am a servant And I am an equal citizen in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And this is you and I. We can have an equal standing with God, not because of our heritage or our background or our attendance record, but because of who we are in Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about this passage a couple weeks ago, actually before the snow came and we all survived, miraculously i was thinking about this passage and i thought this is this is so basic i mean it's, it's the introduction we'll just jump the introduction and jump to verse 3 through 11 we'll just but see he's given credibility he's given authority and he's given equal standing and this morning if you're coming to god's word and you maybe you're not trained in Bible teaching or you're new to God's word or maybe you've been in the faith for a long time I want you to understand something his introduction really is our introduction we're a servant we're witnesses to what Jesus Christ has done and we are equal citizens through the righteousness of God I had the privilege this week to take part and to uh, 
be a part of a funeral service for one of our oldest church members. Her name was Lil Miller, uh, just an awesome lady. And if you didn't know her, you, you just missed out. But I don't remember how many years ago it was, but her husband was still alive, Lamar, and they, they were married 67 years, 67 years, all right? And as one of my sons said the other night, th- those are goals, all right? 67 years going strong. But I remember being in their living room, and I remember seeing them sitting in their, their two chairs. And at one point in her life, uh, late 80s, she asked me, she said, Pastor, what does the Lord want to do with me now? Now, she wasn't asking this as, hey, I'm done. She was asking sincerely, what does the Lord want to do with me now? And if I had to give an introduction to her, she was a servant. She was a witness. And she was a fellow citizen through the righteousness of God. And up until almost her last breath, she was witnessing to people in hospice in her nursing home telling them about the grace of Jesus Christ. Serving the Lord, witnessing about the Lord. This calling to be a servant for her, to be a witness, to proclaim that she was of equal citizenship, of those who proclaim Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, was not optional equipment for her in her faith. It wasn't things that she decided, today do I want to be a servant, or tonight, or tomorrow? No, yeah, I'll get there Every day she was asking, Lord, what do you want to do with me? It wasn't optional. 20 years ago, Emily and I went shopping for a new car. We've we've only done that one other time and won't do it again, all right? But it's a different conversation for a different day. But we were shopping. We were newly married, and we were shopping, and we found this burgundy Nissan Sentra. Man, we were so excited about buying this thing. And we went into the office. um, We sat down at the desk. Okay, if you bought a new car, you know what that means. The desk, all right? And there's that, this whole thing about prices and how much you can get off of it. And then this guy starts asking me questions. He says, it was at night, I remember this. He says, do you want floor mats? I kind of thought those came with the car. Oh, no, sir, those are optional. Stick shift or automatic? I said, I don't know, I just want the one that's out there. I don't know if it's stick or automatic. Either one's fine with me, I can, I can drive either. Power windows or manual? If you're under 16 in this room, let me explain what that is. There's this thing, there's a window, and there's a knob, and it works like this, okay? I know, some of you just practice that. One day you'll get in the vehicle and go, what is that over there, right? Power windows or manual? Radio or radio-CD combo? I didn't know that radio was optional. I'm thinking, you, you got to have a radio in a car. And so he offers a CD player. I was like, yeah, I'll take that one. I really thought at one point he was going to say, now, do you want tires? <laughs> I mean, do you want an engine? I mean, I had no idea there was all these choices, optional equipment. When we give our lives of equal standing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, obedience to his commands as a servant are not optional equipment for you. You do not have the opportunity to wake up tomorrow morning and say, today I'm going to be obedient to God's word, but on Tuesday I get a break. It's not in scripture. And Peter is saying, guys, I, 
I have no choice, and I'm not upset about it. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. I wake up every day asking, Lord, what do you want to do with me? I'm an apostle. I'm a fellow citizen. We are fellow citizens. Communicating that we are equal citizens through the Lord Jesus Christ with a broken world is not optional either. It is the solution to the struggles of this broken, sinful world. And then he reveals a little bit more. I'll move quickly here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Introduces himself, and then he launches into, hey, let me give you a little bit of heads up here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I want you to grow. I want you to grow, and I want you to grow in two ways. I want you to go in grace, which means by which we come to know God, grace, the undeserved favor of God. We all, by virtue of our sins, deserve God's judgment, but by grace, he raises us from death to life. May grace and peace. Peace is the result of experiencing God's grace. So may grace and peace be multiplied, not added. May it be multiplied to you How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let's be careful here. This is not book knowledge. This is heart knowledge. This is the understanding of God's word and allowing it to penetrate our hearts, therefore helping us to grasp the grace and the peace that God gives us, and it is multiplied in us as we become more heartfelt knowledge of the truth of God's word. Peter is saying, I don't want you to simply know about God. I want you to know him. I want it to be heart knowledge. I want it to increase in grace and peace. I want you to become more like Christ. So what I'm about to deliver to you over these next couple of chapters are not going to be easy at times. But I want you to grow in grace and peace. I want you to go in grace and peace through the knowledge. I want you to be multiplied in those things. But I've got some tough things to communicate to you, but I want you to grow in grace and peace and be multiplied through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when I read this passage again several weeks ago, I thought this is basic, but it is absolutely necessary Before we can receive instruction, we need to know that the guy that's given us instruction is trustworthy. And we need to know that he speaks with authority. And we need to know that he communicates clearly the truth of God's word that says we are equal citizens through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to multiply in your heart knowledge of who Jesus is the works of God. I want you to grow in this heart knowledge of who he is. Because, you know, we sing about Jesus. And you guys did that with authority this morning. We, we are a culture that if we want it, we can have t-shirts about Jesus. We can have hats about Jesus. We can have bumper stickers about Jesus. Some of you have tattoos about Jesus. We got radio stations completely committed to telling us about Jesus. My question is not, have you entertained those things? My question is, have you allowed grace and peace 
and the move of Jesus to be stamped upon your heart. Which begins to change the questions that we ask with our daily lives. It leads us to begin asking questions that don't tend to make sense to other people. Do you have Jesus stamped on your heart? Grace and peace multiplied to you. We make decisions as followers of Jesus through our citizenship of equal standing as witnesses and as servants of God. So Peter, prior to warning us how to protect our faith, to grow in our faith, how to grow in our understanding with the the end of times and the return of Christ, he says to us, guys, I'm a servant. I'm an apostle. I'm a citizen who desires for you and others like you to grow in your understanding of grace and peace and multiply through your knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How would you identify yourself? Brian, pastor, cafeteria guy, West Virginia? Great. Peter, servant, witness, fellow citizen. How how would you identify yourselves in a way that would lead people to Christ? It's so basic, but it is so essential for us today because we are servants. We are witnesses. We are fellow citizens. And we are commanded to be growing in our grace and peace through our growth and knowledge of Him. So I want to close by asking three questions. I know this is, you close all your stuff. Just hold tight, all right? First and foremost, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Do you believe and, and do you acknowledge that you've sinned and that sin brings death and that Jesus Christ lived and died? Do you believe that He was raised from the dead to conquer sin and death? Have you trusted in Him? Have you placed your hope in Him and that resurrection that we sang of earlier? Do you believe that you, no matter of your background, no matter your standing, no matter what this world would, decl- would, declaim, would claim about you, do you believe that you can be a fellow citizen with Peter? He says, absolutely. Through the grace, peace, and the mercy of God. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? The last two questions are for those of us who do have a relationship with Christ. The next one is, are you growing in grace and peace through a growing understanding of the things of God? Matt asked this earlier. Moving towards or moving away, are we growing in our understanding of the things of God? And the last question, are you bold enough to ask of your days? What does the Lord want to do with me today? If I'm his servant, if I'm his witness, if I'm his fellow citizen, and anybody who claims Christ your Savior, you are those. 
what does the Lord desire to do with me today? Imagine for a moment if all of us began living our lives with that as our marching orders every morning, myself included. We would shape our community and we would not help but share the grace of Jesus. Let's pray this morning.